This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Thursday, 26th of January, 2023. Market in a very interesting place after a big sell-off yesterday and that sell-off crossing back down below some key technical levels uh, just after we sort of rallied clear of the prior pivot high. Uh, some of that on the gap uh, lower in Microsoft after it reported after prior day, but that gap was pretty much closed. Microsoft only ch- uh, ending the day slightly down and the broader market also managing to rally to essentially unchanged on the day, as you can see there on slide two. So we're still pulled above this 4,000 level. We're still um, in this key zone. If you look at a longer term chart and you, we have one of the appendix on the weekly, that descending trend line, that's all the way back from the, the all-time market top. It's really in play here. So the, the suspense uh, remains on the direction of this market. But yesterday, a, a decent pullback and, and interesting to see that ahead of the rest of this uh, earnings season that is incoming. One of the key stocks reporting as well yesterday, Tesla managing to do okay after the close and actually slightly up as they guided are quite strong in terms of their growth. They said 37% growth estimate for the year on deliveries and they beat on earnings. But of course, uh, the concern is there what the margins will be now that they've done these aggressive price cuts over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it had prior to the guidance that said multiple years of 50% growth and 37% is not 50%. Nonetheless, the the market and and the stock uh, quite stable after that forty percent runoff uh, run up from the lows, able to uh, actually manage to uh, to stay a little bit higher still after the close yesterday. So you can see our equity theme basket overview there on the right. Nothing, uh, very little remarkable on the ups or downs there. I would like to pull up one uh, geography that's quite interesting though, and that's the India basket there. With a um, overnight, they were closed in India in the Asian session for the 26th, but on the 25th, the prior day, closing down quite aggressively, 1.6% on the day. It's a pretty ugly close, and there's an interesting story afoot here. If you haven't, or if you're not aware of this, uh, you might want to familiar, uh, familiarize yourself with it. It's this uh, research shop, Hindenburg Research, uh, quite known uh, uh, research shop that's out to, and when they're interested in a shorting name they do some research and they put out a report hoping to of course uh to get the stock to to fall in the interest of their short position but obviously they need to have some well-documented reasons for being short and for announcing what they're announcing and yesterday there was a big story that hit the markets that they're going after the indian name adani and its network of companies and and to put up on slide three you can see that a remarkable performance of adani enterprises that's the the chief stock uh, over the last few years, incredible ramp up from let's call it 100 to 200 uh, rupees per share, all the way up to 4,000 by the end of last year. It's been su- suffered quite a correction, and the day of the release of this report uh, was uh, on the day that they were doing a share issuance uh, meant for maximum impact. Basically, charging this company with widespread fraud. It's been in the official spotlight for quite some time for its practices and is uh, being accused by Hindenburg Research of having you know, all kinds of uh, shell companies and other uh, extreme measures to prevent, to sort of prove that it's uh, that it's uh, revenues and other activities are real. Uh, a very interesting uh, situation here and something that could have some knock-on effects into banks, et cetera, and even managing to some degree to affect, it looks like, the broader sentiment in the Indian market, which has had pretty remarkable uh, run last year as well, relative to other um geographies around the world. Uh, Donnie is not in the uh, India's Sensex uh, index there, but she put that up on the right for uh, comparison. 
And then moving forward to the broader market, we just have this ongoing sense that we, I suppose, pricing itself for a soft landing. And it got some encouragement on the central bank front by the Bank of Canada indicating a pause in its rate hike cycle yesterday. It did move the 25 basis points that was expected. And it was largely expected that they were going to pause here. But I guess that confirmation helping uh, the sentiment that the other banks may be in with a slight delay or more or less on the same page. Uh, ECB has been trying to bang on about the amount they're uh, further tightening they're going to do. But uh, this helped potentially U.S. yields lower as well. As we saw another strong treasury auction in the U.S. yesterday, this time for the five-year. Today, we have a seven-year. And with yields yields easing lower, risk sentiment higher, we have the dollar lower, and I have the FX overview there on slide four. You can see the dollar remains the weakest of the G10 currencies. The Dutch Bank of Canada helping the, the Canadian dollar sort of match, uh, and often it's sympathetic with the dollar direction. Uh, and uh, the, the big star here has been the Australian dollar, as we've discussed, that hot CPI inflation data, seeing the RBA potentially having to extend its tightening cycle a bit longer than was prior uh, expected prior to that release. And um, yeah, the anticipation around China coming back on board with um, with an, an opening up and stimulus sometime uh, later this year as the Australian dollar, the the sort of the, the strongest currency among the G10 currencies. Put up a euro dollar chart there on slide four. You can see that we're sort of retraced now half of that move uh, from the big high in the late 2020 above 123 all the way to the sub parity lows. Uh, so we're, we've essentially reached that 50% retracement here at 109. Uh, let's call it 50. We're not quite that to that level yet, but almost there. And if we were to go all, all the way to the 61.8% retracement, it would be all the way into 112.75. But sometimes these big round numbers can, can be a bit sticky for a while, as we saw with 105 on the way up. Uh, and 110 would be, of course, the next big sticky number there. Uh, but Ola, over in the commodity space, you know, we, you've got the sense of a, of a soft landing, and I guess a landing of any kind and, and somewhat of a slowdown in global growth is keeping a, a lid on some commodities. Uh, some of the China-related stuff is, uh, you know, otherwise we've seen some of the metals really respond to hopes that China's opening up will bring more demand. But the uh, the, the crude oil pr price here is, is struggling to get interesting from a technical perspective, at least. Yes, it is. And uh, John, we, uh, we've, we've knocked our heads against some resistance early in the week. Since then, we've been drifting lower. It just looks like we are... We're waiting for further input from uh, from the reopening of China and the uh, and the actual impact it's going to have on on demand. Um, so on, until we see that potentially just a, a sideways uh, drifting market, I think what we a couple of things that we should keep an eye on is uh, is uh, in the U.S. and also the the sanctions against Russian uh, fuel exports starting next month and the impact it's going to have on, on diesel and gasoline prices. But um, in the US, first of all, we have we have now for a number of weeks seen quite a strong uh, rise in, in stock levels, crude oil stock levels, especially at Cushing. Uh, that's a small insert down slide six. And that's helping drive uh, drive down, out the discount uh, between, or the, you know, the spread between Brent and the WSI. So WSI's discount is, is rising because inventory levels at Cushing, which is the delivery hub for WSI futures, uh, that's continuing to rise. Part of that is due to uh, weakness uh, in refinery demand following that uh, cold blast we had in December, which led to some outages, uh, but also just generally that refineries are probably facing quite a heavy maintenance season. There were some extraordinary margins to be had on refining crude oil last year, and I, that's the that's the, the, the broad chart below, uh, fuel products and Brent crude oil, uh, where I just highlight the, the cost of gas oil and diesel and uh, and and um, 
what's it called? Yeah, diesel, both in Europe and the US throughout the last uh, last year or so. And you can see those uh, significant spikes we had last year. These these are basically priced in dollars per barrel, just to give a uh, given a uh, just to compare it with with crude oil. And those extreme uh, elevated margins led to refineries just to to skip their maintenance, and that is likely to, going to happen this spring. So that could potentially uh, do two things: uh, lift the inventory levels of crude oil at the same time, lower the stock levels of gasoline and diesel. And that's happening at a time where Russia is about to be face another embargo uh, from next month, and uh, that. Basically drives the uh, drives the underlying support for for energy right now with with diesel and gasoline up some like five to six percent on the month where crude oil is still trading around unchanged. So uh, so China and uh, the embargo, I think these are these are going to be the key focus uh, in the coming months. But in the short term, it looks like we are running out of energy here, and then we potentially just could see this market uh, trade sideways. And of course, with a huge coal blast coming to the U.S., we have uh, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek, we have the Natural gas contract, the last I looked, getting crushed below $3. Just incredible further fall in there. I suppose uh, we're just happy on the supply front, uh, able to see uh, at those prices, uh, or with the winter weather coming, that those prices are justified here? They are they are very much under, under pressure from the uh, weather developments, from uh, elevated production. Uh, we look, the same thing is happening in Europe, where we are back below 60 euros a megawatt hour. We're seeing LNG shipments uh, starting to, uh, they rose again last week. There's ample supplies of LNG. Uh, Asia is not a big taker right now. And uh, the mild weather, which is likely to hit Europe as well next week, is just uh, adding to the uh, to the to the positive uh, or you can call negative outlook for for prices at least in the in the short term so uh, so plenty of gas to go around and and that basically means uh, a lower risk of not being able to refill inventories ahead of next winter so um, so we're in a reasonably good spot right now when it comes to gas gas and uh, consumers all right now you have an interesting uh, spread you haven't brought in in quite some time that's a gold platinum spread there on slide seven is gold sort of like the dollar um, the dollar sort of continues to dribble lower. Gold continues to dribble higher versus the U.S. dollar. I've noticed a, it's reversed a bit versus other currencies. So it's not a you know it's not a broad universal picture for gold here. But what's your focus uh, with with the gold market and with this gold platinum spread? Just simply that, the, as you say, John, the, the the rally is is a little bit isolated right now in in, uh, in the gold market. Only we're seeing silver struggling as well. Platinum, uh, especially, we are the, the discount there has widened back out to uh, nine hundred dollars, uh, the uh, the lowest in or the highest in, in more than six months, and it just highlights that this rally is is a gold rally uh, more than anything else, and that rally is driven by by the prospects uh, or the speculation that it's going to be a one and done from the Fed after the Bank of Canada left uh, went went into pause mode yesterday. And uh, also just simply that the, the dollar has been been trading on the soft side. So um, so until we see any change in those outlooks, gold is likely to continue to find some underlying underlying base, and that's just driving out the discount to some of the uh, or the premium to some of these other other metals, which I think eventually will, will start to become uh, or start to look interesting again uh, with these with these levels we're seeing right now. And just for uh, for the audience, the gold platinum spread I guess should be the platinum gold spread. Uh, because I was confused when I initially looked at that chart. That's showing how much platinum trades at a discount to gold. So uh, it's it's gold. that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Gold. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff to see gold. Uh, as you say, a little isolated among the metals, and then versus FX, not necessarily performing across the board, mostly just against a rather weak dollar. 
and what we and what we see as well, there, John, is, is that even though we 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 trade around just below 1950 today, and uh, looking at that chart, we can easily drop all the way back down to uh, 1900, or perhaps just a little bit lower than that, and we'll still be in that extremely uh, elevated or very very uh, sharp uptrend that has now been in place since November. Right. All right, let's uh, switch to earnings here. Unfortunately, Peter uh, could uh, Peter Connery couldn't be on the podcast today. Hopefully, he'll be in tomorrow. He is traveling. We'll see if he's uh, up for a, a hit on the podcast from his hotel room, as we do have a lot of names reporting today. Some of those are already in. We have uh, SAP, for example, reporting this morning. I think their outlook was a bit stronger than expected. Europe's largest company by market cap, uh, Louis Vuitton, is out reporting today. That is after the European close, however. And I put up a chart there on slide eight. You can see what a remarkable performance has been for that company and especially where it is now relative, uh, you know, essentially at all times, high, all time highs and some triple its lows from early to 19, uh, 2019. Uh, and even more than that, uh, as luxury and the super wealthy continue to have uh, no problems in this environment, I suspect maybe some of the oil wealth and energy wealth is finding its way into Louis Vuitton handbags and other merchandise. But that's a very interesting report. Uh, and Halley Guide as well, as we're seeing China coming back online, if there's any specific mention of that, if they're optimistic around that, uh, et cetera. Lots of companies reporting, some industrial names uh, in Europe, as you can see on this uh, overview on slide eight. We also have the two big credit card companies in the U.S. are insanely profitable companies. Look at the long-term charts on those. Uh, Visa and MasterCard reporting. Uh, MasterCard actually reports before the market opens, whereas Visa is not until after the market closes. And I think the interesting thing there will be we're seeing, as I mentioned in a, a couple of weeks back, I believe it was, that you're seeing accelerating use of credit cards by U.S. consumers. This is often a late cycle phenomenon. If we do get into a pinch with the economy and the recession is not a soft landing and we start to see uh, household budgets under pressure, interesting to see if, if there's a situation there, unlike they've seen basically since the, the global financial crisis. So, uh not to call that that's the case, but if we are seeing economic weakness, this will feed through to a, a very sensitive companies to that, like like the credit card companies. Also, Intel reporting, this is just a beleaguered stock. It posted in its recent lows, uh, or late last year, those lows were essentially the lows from the last eight years. It is a troubled giant. Uh, it's had its uh, lunch eaten by a new competition, or new old competition, AMD, which has much more credible uh, competition, not just in the PC space, but increasingly in the server space where it's uh, so-called Epic um, processors are growing quite strongly. I'm, I'm sure they're providing some pricing pressure as the, many of them are on, on par with the uh, Intel's Xeon offerings. So uh, interesting to see how they guide. And they're also in, in the middle of a huge capital spending binge to make sure that they can produce chips in the US, et cetera. So that's an interesting name reporting as well. And you also see some key travel companies like Southwest Airlines, American Airlines, et cetera, today. So lots to be wrap up in any case uh, tomorrow. And if we roll forward to the macro calendar, uh, data picks up a little bit today. We have the Q4 GDP estimate. You know, we're well into the first quarter of this year, but this can sometimes get a market reaction. I do suspect that the market is mostly sensitive to the most forward-leaning uh, data points. And among those would be something like the initial jobless claims and the data we're getting next week with the ISM surveys and the jobs report. I think the market is actually more sensitive to that and will move off of that more than any new, uh, for example, um, message that we're supposed to be getting from the Fed. I don't think they will be delivering any new message and the market knows that the Fed is simply watching incoming data as well. So it is that incoming data that will move things uh, from here. The market seems to be very com comfortable with a soft landing scenario 
and pricing the Fed to have uh, chopped some 150 plus basis points within an 18 month time frame uh, after it achieves peak rates at the coming meeting, uh, coming few meetings with another 50 basis points of rate hikes. We have a seven-year auction today. Again, the five-year was strong yesterday, not as strong as the very strong two-year. So it looks like there's a lot of demand for U.S. paper at the front end of the curve, and maybe that's a little bit less strong as you work out the curve. Makes some sense given the inversion in the yield curve, but it does keep these yields low, and with the complacency around the quality of the landing, it keeps uh, sentiment as uh, high as well. That really will pretty much wrap up the week macro-wise. We do have a PC inflation data point for December again. The uh, market not terribly reactive around these inflation data points at the moment. They're all fairly benign, and this is you know a delayed release relative to the BLS CPI survey, so we're not expecting a big market reaction uh, there. That is a wrap for today. There's lots to keep track of if you're an equity trader. Look at those earnings reports rolling in, and we continue to have this very you know strong sense of holding our breath in this key and pivotal area in the S&P 500. Where do we resolve? Do we resolve down or do we resolve up? I think it will be critical in the next uh, a few days if we rally higher. What does it stick, and does it stick through the end of this earnings season? Uh, so that'll be keeping the suspense high, I think, in the days ahead. So stay careful out there, and we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email marketcall at saxobank.com.